It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am now about to speak to an old friend, the great, terrific talent, Alan Cumming. He has a slight Scottish brogue and is currently, as we speak, in a car going to Boston. Alan Cumming, he's everywhere. He's on TV, Broadway, movies, cabaret, Carlisle. What did you do at the Carlisle? I did uh, the most recent one. I did a show. It's called Och and Oi, and I did it with Ari Shapiro from NPR. And uh, it's called Och and Oi because I'm Scottish and he's Jewish, and it's a little uh, two-man cabaret. But how did you get this down, stupid? You've done everything, and you're such a professional. But how did you know what to do in cabaret at the Carlisle? How did you know what to do? Um, well, we just sort of uh, we've been working on this show, and it's sort of like about. You know, we're like two different kind of people. And uh, he's from NPR and he's a serious journalist and I'm me. And we just sort of uh, sing songs and tell funny stories about how actually we're much more alike than we than we thought. So you just kind of like, you know, you read the room, Cindy. You play the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. What did you do? How did you handle, because I know all about this, having been married to Joey. How did you handle, if you had any, drunks? or hecklers, or stuff like that? People having drinks, or eating? Yes. Well, we have, I mean, it's, I'm vegan, so when you walk on stage and this waft of steak or you know, shrimp coming towards you, that's not so nice immediately. But there were some drunks, and there were some people, you know, so it's, it's, it's funny, you don't think of the Carlisle you get hecklers, but you do. So I, I, I quite enjoy them, I kind of engage with them. And uh, there's one lady, and she was talking, and, and I was like, hey, you know, what, uh, can we, I'm, I'm up here, talk to me. And she was like, I'm just saying how much I love you and I can't wait to come again. I said, well, why don't you just enjoy it now and then talk about that later? And uh, I, always, I, I, I quite enjoy a bit of heckling. There was an old couple who were really, really drunk and were kind of having a fight. And yeah. I sort of said to them, are you okay? And the lady went, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, are you, having a, are you having a sort of domestic? And they were just, you know, I think that's the thing at the Carlisle. If you come early and you start on your martinis like an hour or so before the show starts, you can be pretty smashed by the time we walk on stage. So you have to be ready to have a few quips up your sleeve. I think part of your years on Broadway might have helped because that makes you easy. It's not like you just need a camera or, or to memorize. It takes a lot to do yes. stuff like that. It does. It does. Oh, I think t- because, it t- you know, you've got to be a performer, but you've also got to be nimble and be able to deal with the unexpected. And uh, I, I, and I, quite, I quite like it. I, and also, you know, when you actually engage with someone who's being disruptive, the other members of the audience really like it. They, 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 you're not doing it on your own. They're obviously hearing this person being a bit drunk or shouting for their friends as well. So I always like, and in a funny way, I really like when I have a heckler because it starts sort of exciting and new. I think it's scary because I've done some of it, but I, I always get scared. What's the difference in audiences if you're doing live stuff in other cities? What's the difference if you're working in New York as opposed to if you should be working in Cleveland or some damn thing? Uh, well, I was actually just in Florida last week. I was in Gainesville and Boca Raton. I mean, I think in a way, New York audiences are up for it from the word go. And I think... Um, Outside of New York, they're kind of, it just takes a wee, I mean, by the end, they're the same. But I just think people, you know, they're just, they just take a little 
longer to get warmed up. I, I find like American audiences in general are much more prepared to go with you and to sort of yeah, of you know, course, uh, go for the ride than than people outside of America. Certainly in London. Do Scots such as you are? Scottish people have a good sense of humor. I think so. I think we have a very we have a very dark sense of humor. We have a, a saying in Scotland, which is you have to laugh or you'd greet, which means you cry. You have to laugh or you'd cry. So we are always laughing at the most inappropriate things. And, you know, when people die or people fall over, we love that. Like, you love when people die? Thing. You laugh at that? Well, yes. I mean, there's a lot of laughter at funerals in Scotland and things like that. We just try and find... We find humour in the darkest things because, think, you know, you have to. I think that's what you have to find humour in because you have to laugh or you greet. So, yeah, I, I actually really enjoy it. And I like, I quite like, it. I, again, it's that kind of naughty thing of saying the thing that everybody thinks but doesn't really want to say. But kind of like <laughs> that. So what do you guys wear under the kilt? <laughs> I mean, I've never really been that far under a guy's kilt. Do you mind telling me? Do you wear drawers? What do you wear? You need to get out more. No, uh, I don't wear anything. I mean, the sort of traditional thing is you don't wear anything. Some people do, but it's actually, uh, that's the sort of tradition, and, and I don't. It feels really nice because it sort of, you know, gets the air up there. And also it's a very, I think people associate wearing a kilt and some, some people as a, a sort of a feminine thing because it's like a skirt. It actually feels very manly because you're, you're kind of open to the elements and everything feels very natural. And uh, it's a very, and also you've got your sporran, which is the little bag, you know, that, that you wear around your waist. That <laughs> yes, kind of I thing, know. Kind of I know. Things. I know. That holds things down. So nothing, if, it, if the wind blows it up, you don't, you don't get a view of the, of the crown jewels. Where did an Alan Cumming begin? How did you start getting into show business from Scotland? Well, I was, um, I grew up in the northeast of Scotland in Angus, and I, I guess I did plays at school and, uh, you know, after school, uh, a, a local theatre club in a little town. And then I just, when I was 17, I went to drama school at the Royal Scottish Academy. And I just, it was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I, I, I didn't really have a backup plan. And I just, I just, I realized I was good at something and I stuck to it, Cindy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. just stick to it. When you're good, stick to it. That's what I did. How were you in school? Were you a lousy student or a good one? No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I was kind of, you know, head down. And I, yeah, I got good grades and things. And I sort of left school. Actually, before I went to drama school, I, I'd left high school early. And I, I, um, I was too young to go to drama school. So I got a job for a year with this publishing company. And I, I actually wrote um, horoscopes for a newspaper, for the Dundee Evening Telegraph newspaper. Oh, my birthday was this week. What would my horoscope be? Do you know? Yes, I do. Yes. Let me what, think. what, what? Uh, so what? What star sign are you? You're a... Taurus the bull. A Taurus. Yes, Taurus. Let me think. It's coming through. Uranus is returning, Cindy. What's, re- so what's turning? Think- what's turning? Uranus. Yeah. Uranus is returning. So I think this would be a good time to clean out your closet, metaphorically and literally. Well, I don't know what the hell you just said. Tell me again. Say it slowly because I'm getting limited. What? Tell me slowly. What is going to happen to so, me? Uranus is returning. That means the planet's coming back into your 
system. And so, therefore, it would be a good time for you to clean out your closet. Okay, okay, I got that. That I'm going to clean out my closet. Says nothing about my future, my health, my wealth, my my talent. Oh, nothing. I should just clean out a closet. Good. Oh, for God's sake! I think you should. Uh, I think you should um, have your postponed 90th birthday party as soon as possible. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I tell you, that's my that's my that's the thing I hate most about COVID: that your 90th birthday party was postponed. Listen, as, as far as I can see, you haven't screwed up anything. What about in, on Broadway? Did you ever lose your drawers? Did you ever forget the, the lyrics? Nothing, because I did Broadway, and I was lousy, and I messed up. Did you not ever loop, forget a line or some such? Yes, I do. And I, I, I think the thing is, like, when I do concerts, I often say to the band, oh, can we start again? And I just feel like the thing about when you make a mistake is not to... Obviously, when it's in a play, you've got to be more, you've got to hide it more. But I just feel it's more about not pretending that you haven't made a mistake. I think audiences love when you make a mistake and you, and you tell them. So I just sort of, uh, I, 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 I don't try and cover it up. I just, and I do it, right? But I often forget words, especially in songs. And I just say, I often start songs again. And I think people really enjoy that. It makes you seem like you're being authentic. So you actually stop and start again, start a song again? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm on the way to Boston now to do a show, and my, Henry, my musical director, said the next month, he will testify that I often say, oh, let's start again. Because so listen, okay, you, you just came back from a trip with one of my closest, long-time forever friends. Jeffrey. And Yes, Jeffrey, of course. And you were in the Himalayas. What were you doing in the downtown Himalayas? What were you doing there? Just well, seeing the Himalayas? Not much to do. I, no, I was, I'd been in Australia and New Zealand doing concerts, and then Jeffrey was going on this trip to Bhutan, and he asked yes, me along, yes, and I just had yes. the most magical time. So, I mean, he's such, you know, he's a great person to travel with, and he's just so... He's great, he's great. Travel, and so am I, and I... And we just had a magical time. We had a guide and we went to all these monasteries and, and, and we have lovely hotels there as well. And it was just sort of magical to be, you know how nowadays it's so rare that you are, have culture shock because everything <laughs> when you travel is so easy and sort of generic. And so when you go somewhere where you have no idea what's going on, that to me is bliss. I loved it. I've traveled a lot with Jeffrey. When we were in, in Sikkim, which is in the Himalayas, I knew the queen the Queen of Sikkim. She was an American from Massachusetts or something. But it's terrific to be there. What about the height? It didn't bother you? It did, yes. When we went, there's a, like, the altitude's really, it affects you. I felt really like, I thought I was having a heart attack and I didn't realize it was the, it was the altitude. And then when you, we went up that, um, you know, there's a temple built onto a mountain. It's called Tiger's Nest. Yes, yes, and yes, that yes. Was insane. We climbed up to the very top. Actually, Jeffrey didn't come. The other, the two girls that were on the trip, too, we all went up and it was so, you have to really be careful because you have to stop and catch your breath because you're really high up anyway. And then you go up a few uh, thousand meters up the top of this mountain. But it was good. I kind of, you know, no one died. Listen, you wrote an autobio, Not My Father's Son. You said you did not yeah. have a good relationship with a parent. Are you able to tell us a little bit yeah. about what you meant? Um, yes, I, 
I, you know, I had to father physically and emotionally, and uh, I, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in my life um, for a very long time uh, as an adult, uh, in neither my brother or my mum's life for years and years, decades. And then all of a sudden, he came back into my life because of I was doing that big C uh, television show, uh, Who Do You Think You Are? You know, the genealogy show, they trace your family yeah. roots. And yeah. he, he heard that I was going to do that, and he thought that um, he came forward and, and told me that I wasn't his biological son because he thought I was going to find that out on the TV show. Oh, but all of a sudden, I was finding all this stuff out about my maternal grandfather who died in Malaysia playing Russian roulette and at the same time my father told me I wasn't a biological son so it was an insane summer and I had to deal with my father again and uh, and then after that and it, he died and uh, and so I so I, in, in a way I wrote that book because I just had to get it out and had to kind of put it out into the world and to you know it was so insane and so difficult to deal with and I just it was really confusing actually to write a book about something so traumatic. I and, understand and that, then, yes. Yes, I know you do, yes. So it was, you know, it was a lot, but uh, I think, you know, you. it's one of these things that I, uh, I wish that that hadn't happened, but also I am the first man today because of all those things. And so you can't really regret stuff if you're happy where you are in your life now. Okay, there's one more story. I know you're schlepping to Boston and you're in a car. It's difficult to be doing this. But I don't want to ask you, what was your story about not taking the OBE? Tell me that. Oh, well, I, well, the thing was, I took it. So in 2009, I was given an OBE uh, for, for services to the arts, but also for uh, fighting for LGBT equality, for gay equality and for yeah. gay marriage in America especially. So I was really grateful because it brought a lot of attention to the marriage equality fight, and I and I accepted it, and I really that was what really swayed me, and I thought that would be a really good thing to show that the British government and monarchy was um, honouring me for for that work. So I did that, but then as the years went by, and especially after the Queen died, I just sort of thought a lot more and, and found out a lot more, and there was lots more discussion about the the role of uh, the empire and the damage that the you know the British Empire had done to various countries and indigenous peoples, and I just felt like the good stuff that it, it had given me about for gay equality, um, it had done that purpose. And now I just felt that I I felt really compromised about being associated with the notion of empire and all the damage that, that had caused, and I just decided to give it back. Very gratefully, very kindly, I gave it back to them. And then when I announced that I'd given it back, I, it just was insane. It just sort of broke the internet <laughs> and caused a huge fuss. But the funny thing is that um, when you give it back, they were very nice about it. And they said, um, oh, well, okay, we understand. And, you know, we'll keep it for you. If you ever change your mind, we've got it. Oh, how adorable. Maybe you'll get it from <laughs> Prince Harry. You should excuse the expression. Okay. Okay. That would be nice. Listen, I know you've got so much and I know you're schlepping on the road, so I can't make it longer, but I have to ask you, you've done a lot, Alan. What is left? What would you like to do that you haven't already done? What would you like to try? 
I don't know. You know, I, I, I sort of feel like one of the reasons why I have this eclectic career and uh, is that I keep myself open to possibility of things. You know, now I'm hosting this so that this thing called the Traitors. It's like a reality competition show set in a castle in Scotland. Who would have thought I would ever do that? But I just, they asked me and I just thought, that sounds fun. And I, I just, it's not that I have things that I'm sort of yearning to do. I just feel it's good to be open to new things and to possibility and not to feel that I've got a certain track. I just have bounced around and, and, and luckily done things that I really enjoyed. And that's what I'm, so that's what I'm continuing to do. The next, I'm going off in a few weeks to go all around Europe and interview people who've um, uh, built homes on islands. And so I just think that's going to be such fun. And again, nothing that I ever thought would be happening in my life when I was a, a baby actor. Listen, sweetheart, I love you. I have watched you for years. I've known you for a thousand years. And I'm so glad while you're schlepping to Boston, you're on the radio with me. Thank you, honey. Me, Thanks. Have a good too. trip. Thanks. 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 Yeah, lots of love. Thank you, sweetheart. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.